I'm Alex Sharfin, and this is the Momentum Podcast, made for empire builders, game changers, trailblazers, shot takers, record breakers, world makers, and creators of all kinds. Those among us who can't turn it off and don't know why anyone would want to. We challenge complacency, destroy apathy, and we are obsessed with creating momentum so we can roll over bureaucracy and make our greatest contribution. Sure, we pay attention to their rules, but only so that we can bend them, break them, then rewrite them around our own will. We don't accept our destiny, we define it. We don't understand defeat because you only lose if you stop, and we don't know how. While the rest of the world strives for average and clings desperately to the status quo, we are the minority, the few, who are willing to hallucinate that there could be a better future, and instead of just daydreaming what could be, we endure the vulnerability and exposure it takes to make it real. We are the evolutionary hunters, clearly the most important people in the world, because entrepreneurs are the only source of consistent, positive human evolution, and we always will be. Thanks for being here. This is... uh episode 40 of the Momentum Podcast, and this one is called Beware of Easy Money. Um, I've had this, this story in mind for about two weeks to share on this podcast from my days as a consultant, and it's been so hard to figure out how to share this without sounding like I'm preaching or trying to tell people how they should be. But I just want to share this story about situational ethics and easy money and just how much it affects people like us when we make short-term decisions that may challenge our long-term business, our long-term reputation, our long-term ability to stay in business. So most of you who've been listening to me for a while know that I, uh, very young, started as a, a consultant in the computer and consumer electronics industry. And, you know, the consumer and computer electronics industry is a little weird. It's, uh, it's the show CES that shares a hallway with the adult video, the AVN Awards. Um, it's the industry where there's just a lot of, like, you know, people who are in a buyer's seat, they want a lot of special treatment. There's, there's t- millions of dollars flying around. There's been this history in consumer electronics. Like, as an example, Crazy Eddie's in New York. The owner went to jail for eight years. Um, I called on an account in South Florida uh, called Brandsmart USA. It was owned by the Perlman family, Bob Perlman. Um, I can't remember his wife's name. And then his son, Michael Perlman. And while I was calling on them, Bob went to jail. And it was an open conversation around Brandsmart that he was in jail for tax evasion. And the consumer electronics industry was just different. And uh, I was in a situation where you know, you call on buyers, you call on people within these big accounts. And this is this is back in the early 90s. So things have changed considerably. And a lot of the accounts have cleaned things up. A lot of them have gone out of business. Quite frankly, most of the companies I worked with are no longer in business. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think there's there's a little bit of a deserved there. Or they earned getting out of business because there's so much challenging stuff that happened in that industry. And uh Here's what happened early in my career. I just wanted this, this one incident that just keeps standing out in my mind. Early in my career, 
um, you know, I called on some of the major retailers in the United States. And so the person who was in the buyer's seat was critically important to me. And that was a person that, you know, let's be honest, if, if they wanted to go out to dinner, we all took them out to dinner. If, if they wanted to, you know, get extra samples of product, they got extra samples of product. Like buyers in that day and age got just about anything they wanted when it came to product from a manufacturer. They would go to whatever restaurant they wanted to. They all had favorites that were ridiculously expensive. Um, and often there was entertaining after dinner and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that went on that for me always like towed right up to a line of, are we just like paying someone off here? Because, you know, we would go out to thousand dollar dinners and then we would get a huge order the next day. And, and, you know, over time I realized that's just part of the business, but I never let go of that thought that like, hey, it was still uncomfortable for me. It still felt weird. And so I did a lot better with the accounts that didn't have a lot of that going on. You know, Walmart, almost none. Like I never saw it. I heard about it, but never saw it. Um, Home Shopping Network was one where the buyers and the, the entire leadership, everybody was completely above board, at least when I was there. Never felt it or never saw that. But there was a lot of companies that I did. And uh, there was this one instance where a buyer left one account I was working with and went to a major, major retail account. Um, And I knew him pretty well. Um, He was one of those guys that, like, I kind of was okay being around, but he always made me uncomfortable. He was always pressing for something extra. He, He always had some new restaurant or something where somebody had to take him. Even if he didn't buy from people, he still had him them give him the royal treatment. This guy, he bothered me from the very beginning that I worked with him. And here he was transferring in to an account that was probably 100 times more important to me of the, than the account that he was in before. And I'll never forget this. On his second or third day at work, he called me and he said, hey, I have a really important opportunity for you, and I think it could change the future of your business. And I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm all ears. You know, and I'm thinking he's in this new account. Like maybe, maybe one of the companies I already work with, he wants to talk to him. Like maybe there's something he's figured out. Like this is great. I'm going to be able to help him. And the next thing, like, as he said, I'm getting acid in my throat just talking to you about it. The next thing he said was, hey, um, and I'm not going to use real names here, but let's just say, hey, Rachel, my girlfriend, um, has decided to leave her job. She worked at the company where he worked before as well. And she's going to get into your business. She's going to become a consultant. And I think it would be a really good idea for you to talk to her about becoming a partner in your business. And I remember thinking, like, this is one of the most blatant things anyone's ever done with me. He's telling me to hire his girlfriend because he's going to steer business to her. Like, that was clearly the implication. Um, That's the feeling that I got. And you know what? Quite honestly... For a second, I was thinking, like, I should probably just do this. And something stopped me. And I said, um, we'll just call him Bobby. I said, uh, hey, Bobby, can I, can I think about this and call you back? Like, uh, you know, I, I, I've spent 
a few years now building this business. You know, I, I didn't really expect to have to take on a partner. Um, you know, I, I, um, I, I, I just need a minute to think about it. Can I, can I have some time to think about it? And I remember him saying, um, yeah, but don't take too long and then click. And I remember thinking like th- this, you know, this is a huge opportunity because he's going to make it easy on whoever she works with. And once things get out, like it's gonna, that whoever she works with is going to be in business, like it's going to go nuts. And so I just couldn't make the decision to move forward on it. And so I needed some time to think about it. So I took a couple days and I remember at the end of two days, I wish I could tell you that I was thinking like, no way I'm not going to do this. But here's what I was really thinking. Like, I don't think there's any way I'm going to do this. I'm going to call him and talk to him for a few minutes and see if I have that uncomfortable feeling that I had the first time I talked to him. And I'm going to tell him like, Hey, Bobby, I can't do this. I'm not going to hire, you know, I'm not going to become partners with Rachel. You're going to have to find somebody else or something like that. And I called him and I didn't even have to make the decision because, he, you know, he had caller ID. He answered. He said, hey, Alex, that conversation we had a few days ago, well, it didn't really, or he didn't say it didn't happen. He said, um, it doesn't matter now. Uh, you know, uh, Rachel has decided to work with this other company. And then he named what probably was my closest competitor. And I remember thinking, um, okay, you know, I, I, I remember thinking like that those guys are going to kill me now. Like they're going to have this direct line in to one of the most important accounts we all call on and they're going to just crush. And, I remember, like, I think I babbled something like, okay, well, you know, sorry to bother you or something like that. And um, and then, you know, in the subsequent years, the company that hired her did incredibly well with the account. In fact, um, here's here's how crazy it was. She, the, the company that that hired her, hired Rachel, his girlfriend, did so well that, they were, uh, they were actually representing competing companies. Like I worked with Fuji in the media sector and in digital cameras. I worked with SanDisk for flash memory. Like I couldn't represent another digital camera company. I couldn't represent another flash memory company. I couldn't have a conflict working with more than one organization. And she was somehow allowed to do this over and over again. And for years, like at least three, I think it was about three years, that company crushed me, crushed everybody who was in our, our competition at that account. And then in a lot of cases, I had things happen where I was, I was hired by, by someone and then they would find out the arrangement that was present at this account and then they would terminate me for the account but leave me on for everything else. And it was that bad. And so I remember, you know, getting off of the call and thinking those guys, like they're gonna crush us and, and thinking, should I have done it? And just how I felt being on the phone with him in that short period of time for him to tell me what had happened, I was so uncomfortable. My heart was racing. I was thinking like, no, I should not have done it because, you know, maybe there's other guys out there who have the constitution for that. But like I got uncomfortable just talking about it. And quite frankly, in the consumer and computer electronics industry, there was a lot of people that probably would have done it. And it, it probably... In a lot of people's minds, if they knew what I had done, if they knew I had turned it down, they would have called me a chump. They would have said, like, hey, you should have done that. 
Well, three years later, I spoke to a friend of mine that had just been at the account, and I, I continued to call on the account. I did incredibly well. I was an award-winning winning representative there, but I didn't do a lot of business with him, oddly enough. And uh, a few years later, a friend of mine told me he had been at the account, and they were cleaning out his office. He was under investigation. And apparently, it just got out of control. And he was, you know, just making the decision based on who his wife was working with. And there was all kinds of other things that were going on and deals being made under the table. And, and again, I'm in the consumer electronics industry. Uh, you know, Tiger Direct was one of the accounts I called on um, in South Florida. And it's very well known. One of their VPs recently went to jail for stuff he did back when I called on the account. And they've still been prosecuting it all this time. And... So him being under investigation was like this shock, but it's almost something that was expected in that industry. But here's what's interesting. That company that competed with me, they were banned from the account permanently. And when you get banned from one account in our industry back then, it was crazy how quickly that ban spread from one account to another account to another account. And they went out of business. And... I remember thinking, like, that could have been me. I made that phone call not having really made up my mind. You know, there was that tiny fraction of a percent that I might have said yes. And I remember thinking that could have ended my career. Because not only was he put under investigation, there was all kinds of other stuff that came out. They... They banned several different manufacturers from the account. They, they took companies like mine who, same thing, they were doing stuff with him. They, they kicked him out of the account for a year or they took away some of their business. It was insane how much fallout there was around this one individual. And so for me, the lesson that indelibly imprinted in my mind when I found out that he was under investigation and then watched all of the fallout past that was that when something feels too easy or when money comes too fast or when it like is too easy and you're not really working for it, it's just not worth it. And here's what's interesting. You know, today there's a lot of people who are bending the rules. They're looking for shortcuts. There's a lot of situational ethics in our industry. Uh, exaggerating or making up experience, test, you know, doing, doing testimonials for each other and trading them, even though you really haven't had their service. Like all of these things that are now like okay in a lot of the industry that I'm in. And by the time he got fired, Bobby, <laughs> My company was over $100 million. I had spent that same amount of time really working my butt off. But, you know, I, I had gotten into Home Shopping Network and done huge numbers on, on air. We had done a ton of stuff with other accounts. I had actually started calling on the entirety of Latin America and had become the Latin American office for, for several different manufacturers. And in that time period where the other company had, quote, unquote, easy money, because I'm telling you, it was easy. I was learning, I was developing, I was growing, I was learning how to build my company to over nine figures. And if I had taken the easy money, I would have just ended up managing that process and having meetings about 
look at my partner and not really needing to grow or needing to push myself. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is that even if you get away with it, you rob yourself of the ability to grow when you take easy money. You know, even if nothing happens in the future, when it looks too good to be true, sounds too good to be true, feels too good to be true, it's just not the thing that you should look at. It's not the path you should take. Your body's telling you something. Your mentality's telling you something. And I've been around for a while, and robbing yourself of the chance to grow taking away that opportunity you have to learn by putting yourself in a situation where for any period of time you're taking that situationally unethical shortcut is going to take away from you the experience that you could have used to grow your career, to get to the next level, to get to that, to, to the full potential that you have as an entrepreneurial personality type. And so um, beware of easy money because when it looks too good to be true, sounds too good to be true, it is, and it affects you regardless of the outcome, but you certainly don't want to end up under investigation or having your reputation permanently tarnished or losing opportunity that you've built over time. Because the guys who started that rep firm, they thought they win the, won the lottery when they hired Rachel. They thought it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, they, I, I, a couple of times I had, you know, conversations with them and they would tell me like almost tongue in cheek how great Rachel was and how good she was with accounts and how, what a closer she was. And it was like a joke because we all knew what was going on. Those guys went out of business. They had spent their lives up until that point creating the experience that put them in business and they made one situationally ethical decision that led to probably hundreds of situationally ethical decisions, unethical decisions. And it eventually led to them not being in business anymore. And for all of you, today in our market, there are more people who are bending the rules, looking the other way, exaggerating what they can do, exaggerating what they have done. And making situationally ethical, unethical decisions. And the way that I would advise you is if it feels uncomfortable, if you don't feel calm and aware and present, if it's pushing you out of your body, if you're if you, you know, feel fidgety, if it makes your heart accelerate, if you don't feel normal when you're talking about an opportunity, if it's not just excitement. But there's that small part of your mind that's saying, hey, is this okay? Trust that part. Because our drive to get ahead will keep us asking, how do I get ahead? How do I get ahead? And sometimes it'll push us into situations where we have to make a call that's going to affect our futures. And I want to help you make the right call. So... Thanks for listening to the entrepreneurial, sorry, <laughs> I already almost called it the last name. Thanks for listening to the Momentum Podcast for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And uh, do me a favor, if this meant something to you, if you think it'll help you in your future, take a minute now and leave me a review on iTunes if you're listening. Uh, just go to the main page for the podcast, hit the reviews button, let us know how we're doing. I would love to know what you think. 
Thanks for being a listener, and I'll see you tomorrow.